Welcome back to another special episode of the Loading Bar Podcast. Why is it super special? Well, it's September now. The leaves will be changing color, the weather colder, and the overall atmosphere is getting eerier. It's slowly becoming my favorite time of year, Halloween. Now, I am aware that fall does not start for another 10 or something days, but I find that Halloween is so fleeting that I push back when I decide to get into it every year, just to savor it. So to kick off the beginning of my favorite season, let's venture into the world of magic and mystery that is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there have some experience with Harry Potter. Whether you grew up in the era that the books were released, only saw the films, hit up Universal's Wizarding World, or just grew up having friends that were really into it and by proxy, you knew more about it than you probably wanted to. Myself, not being a big independent reader as a kid, fell into the movie category. Whenever something new from the world of Harry Potter arrived, it was like an event. And no matter what level of fan you were, you definitely got sucked up into it. I remember getting my mom to take me to the midnight releases of the books that I wouldn't read until I was an adult, and I would dress up in some sort of costume every time. I remember my dad taking me to all of the films as they came out, sans costume, and he would get right into it. This one time we took my mom to one of the films with us, which was of course the one where Dumbledore is killed and has that long, extended scene of him falling to the pavement, and she would just not stop laughing in the theater. People were starting to stare at us, it was incredibly embarrassing. One of my favorite memories though. As an adult, I have been to the Warner Studio tour of Harry Potter in Leavesden, UK, seeing all of the props and sets where the films were created. You can check those pictures out on my personal Instagram if you're curious. Despite evidence to the contrary, I am not a crazy super fan with wands hanging up in shadow boxes in my living room. Okay, I do, but again, I don't lose my mind over everything Harry Potter. Now, apart from the films, there were, of course, the video games. And I'm sure that many of you out there have fond memories of some of these. The first three games and Quidditch World Cup are particularly some of the best Harry Potter games out there and stick to a kind of mix between the films and the books, with Quidditch World Cup essentially being a Harry Potter-inspired FIFA title. Each title in the first trilogy is wonderful in their own right and adapts, bringing in new mechanics and features that help them stand out. But for now, let's start from the beginning with the Philosopher's Stone. So what's tonight's drink that relates to old Harry Potter? Well, tonight I'm going to show you how to make your own alcoholic version of butterbeer, courtesy of Liquor.com. For this recipe, you will need 1 ounce butterscotch schnapps, 1 ounce vanilla vodka, 6 ounces cream soda, garnish with whipped cream, and butterscotch syrup on top. Add the schnapps, vodka, and cream soda into a frosty mug. Top with a generous dollop of whipped cream and butterscotch syrup drizzled on top. Just as a disclaimer, I used pink cream soda for my drink, not because I wanted to, but just because that's all that the convenience store had. I was initially looking for the clear kind of cream soda. You can also try Stewart's cream soda, which I think has that golden color, but that's up to you. It still tasted fine. Butterbeer is one of those featured sweets in the Harry Potter universe along with Birdie Bots, Every Flavor Beans, and Chocolate Frogs. 
I don't exactly know if it's alcoholic in the books, but I do know that it was introduced in the third book, when the third years were able to go to Hogsmeade for the first time, and it was this drink that warmed you up inside, though it was served cold. There are quite a few recipes out there for this drink that fans have made, and even at the Universal Parks and the studio tour they boast about selling butterbeer. I think it tastes fine, though I'm not a super huge sweets guy. I suggest getting yourself a stein if you have one for this drink, and if not, a chilled glass works perfectly fine. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone video game was released in November of 2001, hot off the heels of the first film, and was developed by various companies depending on the platform. Argonaut Games for the PlayStation 1, No Wonder for PC, Gryptonite Games for Game Boy and Game Boy Advance, Westlake Interactive for Mac, and finally, Warthog Games for PlayStation 2, Xbox, and GameCube. All of the games were published by EA and Aspire. With some of the future titles, the games were different depending on what system you played them on, hence the various developers. As I stated, the game was a blend of the books and the films, and many of the locations take inspiration from the castle as portrayed in the films, and this was due to a partnership with Warner Brothers. At this point in time, EA had its hands in a lot of film tie-in games like the Lord of the Rings series, and acquired the rights to Harry Potter in August of 2000. The PC version utilized the Unreal Engine, the PS1 version used the same engine that they used for the Croc games, which had 3D rendered environments, and they were first shown off at E3 2001, and released to coincide with the release of the film. The PC version has a strong focus on action and puzzle solving, designed for 8 to 14 year olds in terms of difficulty. This version is very linear and has levels that are closely tied to the books, such as rescuing Hagrid's pet dragon Norbert, which is not the films. There are also collectibles to find in the form of wizard cards, but you only have certain times that you're able to find them all. There's no going back and backtracking. The console version has the same type of style going for it, though the levels and story play out a little bit differently. Instead of a level-by-level -level system, it is more of a free roam system somewhat. Throughout the castle there are collectibles that you can go back and revisit once you have certain spells at your disposal to do so. The Game Boy Color version is a standard RPG in the top-down style like Pokemon or Final Fantasy, and takes more inspiration from the books. The Game Boy Advance version is totally different, with a focus on attending classes and completing challenges and puzzles. Later in 2003, the Philosopher's Stone got somewhat remakes for the new generation of consoles, the PS2, the Xbox, and the GameCube. The Chamber of Secrets game was already out at this time, and many of the models and mechanics were added into the remake of the first game. Unfortunately, the remakes had mixed reviews, and they were compared to the highly successful Chamber of Secrets game. These versions also followed the plot of the films more closely than the originals, and reused assets such as the world map and spells from Chamber of Secrets. Despite working in partnership with Warner Brothers, the game did not utilize any of John Williams' music. Composer Jeremy Sewell created a completely original and memorable score for the game that captures the same essence of the magical world that the film scores also do. I'm sure that Sewell did take inspiration from the Williams score, but these tracks are totally their own. The game sold pretty well despite the mixed reviews and was the top-selling PC title in 2001, 
and was nominated for various gaming awards such as Best Console Family Game, Best Original Music, Best PC Family Game, and the Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Award for Favorite Video Game in 2002. The sound design in the game is incredibly memorable for me personally, with the creepy corridors, the sound of your wand casting spells, and the goofy voice acting from the various characters. Harry's constant screaming of flippendo whenever I cast it will forever be burned into my brain. Visually, the game is filled with a beautiful use of jewel colors that complement each other to create a very warm and inviting castle, though some areas looking particularly creepy. As I stated, the story follows very closely to the books, pre-remakes, and starts you off with a quick introduction through some storybook-style images. Harry has lived for 10 years with the Dursleys, thinking that he was a totally normal kid, until he gets his Hogwarts letter and learns that he is a wizard. Hagrid liberates him from his captivity and learns more about his powers, the wizarding world, and the horrible fate of his parents at the hands of Lord Voldemort. Hagrid also takes Harry to Gringotts Bank, where he learns that he is actually filthy stinking rich. But Hagrid also has business to pick up and deliver a mysterious object from one of the vaults. Harry arrives at Hogwarts and makes friends with Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger, enemies with Draco Malfoy and Professor Snape, and is sorted into the Gryffindor house. You start off in Hogwarts and are welcomed by Dumbledore, who gives you the rundown of Hogwarts, telling you to explore as much as possible, but not to go up to the third floor corridor. You eventually run into Fred and George, who ask for your participation in an experiment that requires beans, lots of beans, and will show up throughout the game through secret passages at certain points in the game in order to check your progress. I'll go more in depth about this later. Harry goes to classes throughout the year learning charms from Professor Flitwick, defense against the dark arts from Professor Quirrell, potions from Professor Snape, and transfigurations from Professor McGonagall. And after an impressive display of flying talent, is chosen to be the youngest seeker of his age for the Gryffindor Quidditch team. Strange things are happening at Hogwarts, and Harry suspects it has something to do with the object Hagrid brought from Gringotts, which he actually learns is the Philosopher's Stone, an alchemical object with the power to create a life-sustaining elixir. A hot-ticket item if you ever want to live forever. Harry and his friends investigate throughout the year and begin to suspect the potions teacher and head of Slytherin House, Professor Snape, as the one trying to steal the stone for his own purposes. They attempt to stop him by following him to the third floor corridor, and must complete three challenges in order to get to the stone. The first is the guard dog Fluffy, a Cerberus that is easily swayed by the lulls of beautiful music. The second is a swarm of flying keys, with only one that opens the door and a single flying broom in the center of the room. Finally, there is a deadly chess match that requires you to play the role of one of the pieces. With the help of his friends, Harry makes it to the room that holds the Philosopher's Stone, only to find Professor Quirrell, not Snape, trying to find the stone. Harry is shocked to learn that Quirrell has been the Dark Wizard stalking the halls of Hogwarts this year, and not only that, hides a surprise under his turban in the barely living form of Lord Voldemort, parasitically attached to the back of his head. Harry is in a tough spot until he learns that his touch, for whatever reason, burns the hell out of Quirrell and Voldemort and turns his body to dust, committing his first murder at the age of 11. Harry wakes up in the hospital wing with Dumbledore at his side, who explains what happened, and they commence with the closing ceremonies of the House Cup, 
with Gryffindor as the winning house that year. After playing this game, I never realized how physically demanding it really is to even attend Hogwarts. The entire castle is designed for acrobats, though I guess it does make sense when you think about all of the magical sweets and candies they eat all the time. This game is a puzzle platform action game, for PC and console anyway, that has you jumping to different platforms, moving objects around to create a path, and grasping for ledges to pull yourself up from. The castle has various secrets within it that require the use of certain spells, so you will be returning to some areas in order to reveal said secrets. You learn spells by attending classes and progressing through the game. For the PC, you learn a spell by tracing the spell's shape with your mouse. So for example, the spell Flipendo, the knockback jinx, is a spiral that you trace with your mouse without tracing outside of the shape until you can achieve 100% grade from the professor. On the console version, you hit a sequence of buttons that matches with the professor's. After you learn the spell, you must then complete the spell's challenge, which is a big course that you must complete that focuses on using that spell that you just learned. So for the Flipendo challenge, you focus on stunning enemies and pushing objects in order to climb and progress. You learn a total of five spells, Flipendo the Knockback Jinx, Wingardium Leviosa, which allows you to levitate objects, Lumos, which creates light at the end of your wand to reveal invisible secrets, Incendio, which is a fire spell, and Alohomora, which unlocks doors. You also must collect challenge stars that contribute to your house points. House points are accumulated throughout the year in order for you to win the house cup, and you can in fact lose the house cup if you're not careful about collecting house points, even with the aid of Dumbledore at the end. One of the ongoing challenges in the game is to collect all of the famous witch or wizard cards that are hidden all throughout Hogwarts, each with a nicely illustrated picture of said witch or wizard, with some background information into their history. There are a total of 25 cards in both the PC and console version, but in the remakes, there are 101. I mentioned Fred and George earlier and their experiment that requires Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans, and let me tell you, Beans are the economy of this school. These beans are literally everywhere, inside chests, cauldrons, statues, everywhere, and you basically run around casting spells at whatever looks breakable. You need at least 250 beans for these guys, and they will reward you with wizard cards, and at the end of the game, you are treated to a secret cutscene. While you run around the castle, you will fight off several creatures and monsters with a couple of bosses sprinkled in. Be careful of the gnomes, though because they can and will steal your beans if you aren't careful. One of the bosses I need to highlight because he terrified the hell out of me as a kid was Peeves the Poltergeist. Peeves is a character in the books, but was never portrayed in the films. He is a grinning ghoul that will sometimes pop up out of treasure chests to spook and attack you. Each of the bosses is weak to a spell in your arsenal, and it's your job to find out which culminating into a final fight with Quirrell, who shoots death curses at you that you must reflect back at him by hiding behind the mirror of Erised. You can also fly in the game on a broomstick, though it's pretty clunky and much better flying can be found in the Quidditch World Cup game. The purpose is to fly through hoops, controlling the speed and maneuvering of the broom, though it gets really difficult when you come up to tight turns. You follow the snitch through hoops as best you can, and eventually get close enough to attempt to catch it. 
The game is not entirely open world as I said, especially for PC, and it's important to note that after the Quidditch match with Slytherin, you only have this opportunity to find all of the secrets in that area before the end of the game, as you will not be able to return. That's the way to basically 100% the game. Hold back from attending the next story sequence event until you search every nook and cranny of that section of the castle, and then progress. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was a great video game adaptation that made many people into Harry Potter fans, I'm sure. I am particularly fond of the first four games in this entry that were done in this style, books 1, 2, and 3, and Quidditch World Cup, as they were pretty distinct in their style and approach, until the fourth game, where they went full film adaptation, and I feel like doing this really lost what made those games special. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever get re-releases of these titles, as the company No Wonder has been dissolved for years now. But if you are keen to check them out, you can buy a PC collection that covers games 1 and 2 and World Cup on Amazon, but it's like $100, and I doubt you'd want to spend that much for some old games. If you want to try it for console, I suggest checking out some gaming thrift stores, because a lot of them still have it. Recently, a new Harry Potter game was announced by the title of Hogwarts Legacy, which is apparently an action role-playing game that has you make your own character to attend Hogwarts in the 1800s. No gameplay footage as of yet, but it does sound promising. Perhaps it's my nostalgia clouding my judgement, but I think that this game still holds up as a great Harry Potter title, along with the other ones that I mentioned. And you can always revisit them. You can go back and play them, still have a great time, still find some challenge, and whatever magic that these games captured is still there. They're still fun. And if you have them, boot them up, try them out, play them again. See if you enjoy them. Think about all those times you played them as a kid. Think about how Poltergeist Peeves scared the shit out of you. And just have a great time. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. I had a lot of fun revisiting this series, and I would say it kicked off my fall Halloween season vibes, and I'm ready to get spooky. Please check out my link tree for all of the social media networks that I dwell, and stay tuned for more Twitch streams of old and new games. As always, don't hesitate to send me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or my associated email if you have any suggestions or thoughts. I hope this helped put you in a fall mood, whatever that may look like, and I'll see you next week.